0: I'd like to welcome everyone to this week's edition of the Nova Society, the podcast that informs your world with in-depth conversations about current events and the issues that confront our world. I'm Dr. Mark Bound, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Brooklyn Ann Weldon. This week we'll be having a conversation about what happens to opponents of Putin in today's Russia. So we invite you, everyone to relax for the next 30 minutes or so, open your minds, and let's get to it. So, uh, Brooklyn, when we're talking about Putin and, of course, his controlling of the narrative and his controlling of the media and what is coming out of Russia, we are also seeing that there are significant opponents that are beginning to show up. Uh, in not only uh international media but also uh in Russia with the protests and all what exactly is happening to these people that are are showing showing themselves as opponents to not only uh the war in Ukraine but actually to putin himself
1: Thank you Mark good to be here well the the protests in Russia have largely died down uh due to the repression of of those who, who demonstrate the arrest, so forth, and the fear of arrest. And those Russians who uh, opposed Putin or opposed the war, if they have been able to leave the country, they have done so. Those who, there are still people there who, who might disagree, but who certainly can't say so. And uh, they would like to emigrate, but they're not able to at the moment, due to finances or or lack of of um, sponsorship, for example, a visa already in uh, in hand, for instance. And what Putin has been doing recently is to basically purge his inner circle and purge those and arrest people who might disagree or might cause any type of threat to him. It, basically, he is becoming increasingly totalitarian. I, I understand uh, that he announced uh, that the diplomatic efforts over a solution uh, in Ukraine uh, that those discussions are dead and uh, apparently and um, uh, this without any meetings at all between Putin and zelensky and and I'm not surprised i agree with with the analysts who have stated that the this situation in ukraine will be one on the battlefield and Putin has a very long history uh, since coming to power of removing individuals who are may pose any type of threat to him among the um, among these would be the uh, poisoning of uh, Alexander or Sasha Litvinenko uh, who was um, who drank some tea that was poisoned with uh, polonium to 10 and the shooting of Boris Nemtsov. Boris, uh, uh, he was shot in the back four or five times um, right out in front of the Kremlin uh, in Moscow in 2015. Levinenko was poisoned in 2006. Other individuals have, uh, like uh, Mikhail Khodorkovsky, have been basically removed from uh, any sphere of influence, uh, Khodorkovsky was uh, the owner of Yukos Oil and an oligarch. And he publicly criticized Putin and uh, discussed corruption, for which uh, his company was uh, dismantled and turned over the state or seized by the state. Mikhail went to prison and uh, was he was released uh, just before the Olympics in Sochi. Uh, I believe probably as a, um, a, a gesture of, you know, apparent goodwill as a, um, a public relations uh, sort of maneuver. He now lives in, um, in exile. Livinenko was poisoned. He, he fled the country. He was poisoned in London. Then we have Sergei Skripal uh, and his daughter Yulia. They were poisoned with Novichok. And while they stay also in London and Salisbury. And while they were they survived uh, the poisoning, uh, someone else, uh, a woman who who sprayed herself with what she thought was perfume, which was, in fact, Novichok. She died recently. Um, Alexei Navalny, who had been a credible political opponent to Putin, he was poisoned with Novichok, I believe, twice. He had to be taken to Germany for, um, for treatment. The, the moment he got back to Russia, he was arrested. He has now recently had another nine years added to his sentence. We see a pattern of people who, who criticize Putin or who might be a threat to Putin politically. They are uh, not allowed to speak in public. They are not allowed to um, broadcast their speeches on television. They are not allowed to to run for public office. Supposedly, they embezzled money or there was a tax issue or something like that. There's always a reason and always the person who is a credible alternative to Putin in terms of political power is removed and Putin basically will say, "Well, what a tragedy, what a shame!" And uh, these people need, you know, we will find these people and punish these people. So this this pattern uh, and and denying what would seem absolutely unequivocal. People don't have you can't just walk in to these facilities and take these items. And the contortions, to me, are ridiculous. And and it seems blatantly, it seems absolutely blatantly evident that when one is a dictator, decisions are made by that person and only by that person. And that would include the removal of anyone who is who is deemed a threat.
0: I think it's very interesting that it seems to be a Russian modus operandi that they use poisoning quite often, um, which, you know, historically as a method of, of murder has always been associated in the annals of, of, of uh, criminal forensics as being a tool of the female more than the tool of of the mail but i i just find that rather interesting just as a side note to that but you were talking about those oligarchs that are now standing up and are now you know saying you know that putin was wrong with this and are becoming in opposition to it now as as you mentioned leaving the country isn't very easy um flying out of russia is not an is not an easy task since most russian flights have been banned from um from most places in Europe, so my question is: Is if you're an oligarch and you have stood up to Putin, and let's just say you were targeted as one of the sanctions, you know, one of the people sanctioned, and you were somehow able to get out of the country, uh, does this make you a political refugee? Do you think
1: that's an excellent question, Mark? I I don't know. I'm not sure if that might make one uh, a legitimate seeker of asylum however the as i understand it the the oligarchs uh who are still in the country and putin are are very closely tied they're they're interdependent financially and they really i'm not sure if they're really in a position to leave or what would happen to them if they left as i understand it the capacity of oligarchs now to leave russia uh and to have any uh, you know financial independence or capacity uh is is pretty much gone
0: okay so again let's uh, let's stick with this a little bit um not whether or not in under the legal definition they would be considered political refugees but do you think that if these oligarchs that have been the source of Putin's power for so long were to be able to get out. And when you really look at who can get out of Russia, if anybody probably has the best opportunity, I would think it would be somebody with means at this point as opposed to the average citizen who – Although, if they were living on the border, could just walk across the border, possibly. But the oligarchs probably have some a better uh, opportunity and a better vehicle to be able to exit. Would it be, in your mind, a benefit to the Western powers that are standing up to Putin to treat these oligarchs who have basically turned on Putin, would it be to their benefit to... Uh, approach them or to treat them as uh, political refugees, if for no other reason, for the message it sends to the rest of the world that, hey, here's Putin's uh, inner circle and they're leaving him. I mean, would that benefit the Western powers and would it benefit Ukraine in the long run?
1: It might, Mark. Actually, that's something that's, that's an excellent point. I had not considered that. Um, And I was thinking, as you were speaking, uh, not only a message to the rest of the world, uh, but it would be a message to Putin himself to have them able to share what they know and how the inner workings of the entire oligarch and Putin system and, and uh, power dynamic, how, how that actually worked. And perhaps people who have dealt uh, very closely with Putin might be able to share some uh, insight into his, how his mind works. might be very, very helpful in terms of gaining insight uh, into who he is more than, than, uh, than what is known now. Um, do you, do you, let me
0: ask you this. Do you really think that's a question at this point in time? Do you think that just seeing what's going on? Do you think that there's really any question in anybody's mind in the international community of what Putin's all about today? Uh, or I mean, has had? do you not think that, that what has happened has pretty much laid bare exactly who and what Putin is and what his intentions are?
1: Yeah, I would say that 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 should be fairly evident at this time. Um, However, in his efforts to control the narrative and to uh, talk about fake news and to argue that uh, Russia's cause in invasion that they had to invade and that their cause is noble, I would imagine that the people in Russia who Either do actually genuinely support what is happening, and do feel that Putin is essentially honest. personally, I, I find that amazing. However, the certainly uh, here in the United States, um, we Americans have had uh, have believed what we were told, for example, in the um, back when uh, George H. W. Bush, the senior. Uh, Bush was president. I can't remember her name. Uh, a young woman came and testified that uh, babies were being uh, taken out of incubators and allowed to die on the floor by Kuwaitis and so forth. And and uh, no no one in the media uh, fact checked any of the any of the story and, until later, and it turned out to be an entire fabrication. But it it roused the public the American public to complete indignation. And, and um, I listened to her performance again and she is an excellent actress. I mean, it certainly sounds like she was, was being truthful about what she had witnessed. And in fact, she was lying. So I can see how the Russian public who, who have been groomed for years, in what Ukraine is, that it's a um, uh, like a wayward part of Russia that needs to be subdued and and they're like a teenager, they need to be um, uh, they need to be guided and that they are, in fact not a separate country, and that the West is against Russia and wants to eradicate all Russian speakers and so on. Putin's support at home, is likely to be genuinely quite high. The efforts made to discredit uh, the satellite images um, and uh, provided in, in Busha, for example, those are believed to be fake uh, because the company is colluding uh, with the West or the, or the United States government. And it's, it's very interesting. Uh, and the more, of course, the more closed off Russia is with um, not permitting any outside news agencies or journalists or any independents of thinking, what people are shown reinforces the narrative that Putin wishes to have. So at, at, at the, the perspective of Putin at home in Russia is quite different from what we see here, I would just, I would really like to know what he he genuinely thinks. Um, whether he was interested in Ukraine for its for its wheat and its other resources, whether it was more of a geopolitical move, whether he really felt that NATO was um, a danger uh, and that NATO was forcing people to join with the idea of isolating Russia. It's, it's the whole, the dynamic is, is quite complex. Um, and as we see, as so often happens in a situation, the, uh, the individual uh, who uh, took action, o- overt action, um, and really generated the conflict is, is getting the opposite of what he had wanted in the first place.
0: Yes, and I, I think to your point about the the misinformation that's out there, and I think that's a very important point. I go back to the days that they presented a young lady named Dr. Elizabeth Obege, and she testified in front of Congress, was supported by uh, a, a very great senator who I always thought was a great senator, uh, which was John McCain, uh, as you know, an expert on Islam, an expert on the Middle East. And she wor- actually worked for the Brookings Institute. And it was surprising to me to find that they eventually found that she, first of all, did not hold a doctorate. She did not even have, did not complete her master's degree yet. And that she had basically fooled everybody. So it's, which to me is is almost incomprehensible. I mean, as, as you well know, uh, as with I, You know, you go to apply to a university to teach a university. They ask for every single record you've got. They want to see the uh, the transcripts directly sent from your university. You're not even allowed to send them. So it's kind of funny how people are able to get away with that. And one of the things that just happened this week, a matter of fact, over the last couple of days, was the uh, prime minister of Austria went into Russia. And sat down and had what I have, what has been reported a 75 minute, rather uncomfortable meeting with Mr. Putin, where he was calling out because he had gone to Bukha, he had gone to Ukraine, he had saw for him, he had seen what was going on for himself. And then he went and confronted Putin, which was kind of a surprise when you think that uh, Austria is really a military neutral country, but it was a surprise to see now What do you, first, actually two questions come from that. What do you think Putin's response is to the actions and the responsibility Russia has for what the Austrian prime minister was basically telling him? And what do you, how much of that interaction do you think the Russian people even know about how it about how it unfolded, and in these last two days, do you even think they know that the Austrian Prime Minister was there?
1: I'm not sure if they do. I have not asked anyone I know if they know about this. That's that's an interesting point. Um, I should I should ask just to see. Yeah, the as I understand it, the Austrian minister wanted to look in Putin's eyes and see him face to face rather than over a Zoom call or over a telephone. Uh, call and the uh Putin apparently uh really didn't respond at all to um uh to any accusations of atrocities or war crimes committed by uh by Russian forces he he had no uh no response to that but he was the 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 meeting of course was non-productive uh Putin is is um not going to change his um his course of action i i'm not sure what the i believe the austrian prime minister's his purpose was to be clear and direct and make sure that putin understands what the international perception of his actions um what that perception is, in case he is not Putin, uh, is not receiving full and credible information from his um advisors or his his uh, inner circle. However, Putin's having put the I can't remember the man's name, they call him the uh, the butcher of Serbia, mm-hmm. um, Syria, excuse Syria me. The yes. butcher yeah, charge this general in charge of the Ukrainian operation, uh, the invasion suggests to me that he's, he that putin is is well aware of what is happening um they need to to amp up their um uh their military effort however again continuing a military uh operation and then holding territory those are two different things and the um my concern remains that regardless if if they if they the russians are able to take the eastern territory the donbass for example uh they will not be satisfied with that uh and that ukraine the ukrainians are not going to give way and give up territory and so and and looking if if the war in the second war in chechnya where uh, putin um invaded chechnya uh that went on for nine years and the fighting in Ukraine in the eastern section has already gone on for eight years. So I don't see that the situation is is going to um, to end anytime soon. Um, I think that the any that the discussions before um, the diplomatic efforts those were simply to uh, as as many analysts said those were simply to buy time. They were not. Genuine, they were never genuine, and uh, Putin has unilaterally determined that they are not going to continue uh, again. Which is not a surprise.
0: No, it, it really isn't a surprise. But let me let me stick with the with the visit for the um, from the Austrian Prime Minister. It's come under. You've got two schools of thought with this. Some have uh, complained about it in the Western world, saying that it gives some sort of legitimacy to Putin, and some have hailed it. Um again, as you just said, it doesn't sound like it was very productive. Do you think this was a good move by the uh Austrian prime minister? Do you think that there's any benefit that possibly could come out of this that that might help uh shorten this war?
1: That is a very interesting question, Mark. Well, I think phone calls and and any type of, of meeting including between the uh, spokesman for both um, both both Russia and Ukraine. I mean, the moment one engages in any type of, of conversation uh, that then becomes public, I think that I, I'm not sure if I really see a difference between going somewhere and seeing a person face-to-face and speaking... With that person face to face, virtually, yeah, I, I can see arguments both ways. Uh, certainly, to as as the um, the UN did to go and and as Boris Johnson did, the uh, Prime Minister of the UK, to go to the war zone and look for oneself. That I think carries great weight. Um, I'm not sure if. And I noticed, of course, that that the um, that the Austrian Chancellor went to, to Putin, and I was reminded of um, in World War II uh, the visits from the British Prime Minister of the time, who went to see Hitler. So, on the one hand, I, I can see the criticism that this lends the visit. Uh, and the conversation that lends legitimacy and credence to Putin uh, and to his his um, his war, uh, and would tend maybe to uh, inflate his his ego and sense of of self importance and his narcissism even further. Because it, and also I can see that as a result of COVID and the fact that that people. Uh, may use the phone or may have a Zoomer or other face-to-face through the computer meeting to actually have a person come and appear in person is quite a departure from uh, from recent types of, of communications and might therefore uh, open itself to criticism.
0: Yeah, I, I find it very interesting that, you know, since the days of Bush number two, and i'm going to try to list a few of them bush number two this uh as you say the chancellor of austria biden has has made reference to it uh and i believe uh trump made reference to it as well and even obama they all for some reason want to look putin in the eye and that's i find that to be a, a fascinating thing for for all of these world leaders to say you don't hear you know the American president wants to look the British prime minister in the eye. Uh, they don't even say it about you know the the prim, you know the president of China. That that is a it almost seems like a reoccurring theme for world leaders as it relates specifically to Vladimir Putin. And I, I find that to be every time I hear that reference, I, I find it to be fascinating that. Very few uh, times has that reference been made by so many different leaders over so many years as it relates to one other leader. We want to sit in front of him and look him in the eye. So I I, I have to ask myself, I I don't know if that really is accomplishing what they think it's accomplishing, uh, but I I find it a very interesting reference. So if if we're looking at The outcome with let's say the oligarchs they're starting to have a different a different change of heart they're beginning to see this is this is impacting them putin is is removing his inner circle making some significant changes now we've got world leaders and i don't know if it's the the last world leader that will go actually sit and look him in the eye uh what is what do you see the outcome being of all this
1: Yeah. So, Mark, to answer your question, and I hate to prevaricate and say I don't see how this ends.
0: Well, I don't think think, anybody knows how it's going to end. I I think that that's way up in the air.
1: Yes. I just and and of course, nobody can prognosticate the future effectively. My feeling, uh, certainly the next months, the next few months, both Finland and Sweden are interested in joining uh, NATO now. Uh, And uh, Putin, uh, through um, his spokesperson, has stated that there will be consequences, that he'll have to rebalance. And I'm not sure what that means. I don't think anybody is sure what that means. Um, Putin may know what he means, but he may just be saying something and then he'll figure out what he wants to do later. And uh, well, obviously, at some point, Putin will will no longer be alive as no one lives forever. Because he has isolated himself, is very very careful with his own life. In uh, in terms of of as uh, um, as dictators tend to be, uh, being paranoid and um, making sure that they personally are as secure as possible. It seems to me that the that as has been said by world leaders that we the West have to ensure. That Putin does not win in Ukraine, and that that may, well, and then of course one has to balance that against the concerns of escalation, as Putin understands escalation. I would hope that the West would be able to engage more. Um, there's been a lot of of uh, complaint, for example, about Germany. And its uh, slowness in providing tanks and, and other uh, weaponry, heavy weaponry, to the Ukraine. Not only do tanks and, and other types of material need to be delivered, but people need to know how to use them and use them effectively. And uh, unlike the movies, a person can't simply jump into a, a vehicle um, or a spaceship or anything like that and and, and know how to how to fly it the so that the ukrainians have to be trained to to use the uh tanks and and to be able to do so effectively in combat i see this is going to continue um that's my enormous concern this will um this will continue and we will uh globally continue to see uh food insecurity, um, other types of of, um, effects. And I don't know. I I mean, Putin may become more and more isolated. And uh, I think as long as he remains in power, uh, even if Ukraine can be taken back and the Russians pushed back into Russia, I don't believe that Putin is going to be satisfied. He will be at that point humiliated. And uh, he will have to uh, create a narrative for the people at home uh, that will allow him to to remain in power and will satisfy everyone's um, you know the Russians um grief and and anger, and of course blaming the West uh, and demonizing the West even more. so I can see where where Russia would want to be more would want to be closer to China. It, 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 this is a very, very complicated situation, and I think the more I look at it, the more complex the geopolitical and the um, the entire situation becomes.
0: This is one of those conflicts that is playing out, and I think we've discussed this before. The question is is how much rationality is going to be shown. Um, by all the leaders at this point, because we are in a very dangerous time, and I think that uh, the ne- the moves that are being made today have significant consequences for um, for the world order as it exists. So, Brooklyn, do you have any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I again, I'm um, so terribly. Uh, Sorry, I mean I, I realize that that's completely inadequate. I just I um I I still am am um, finding myself in in a situation of cognitive dissonance where I cannot believe that in the 21st century or you know in in um, that this is actually happening. And of course, while we in the West try to figure out what to do and how to address this situation effectively without uh without escalating the um the russian response people still die and the ukrainian children and the elderly and and the upheaval and the displaced personed people and the number of pet deaths um uh the the whole and, and the effect on um um, on food security and and other types of of uh, human security and human rights, it it's just it's just staggering. It's overwhelming to me.
0: And I think it is overwhelming to to a lot of us here. So, there you have our thoughts for this week. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Brooklyn Ann Weldon, for joining me and engaging in this informative conversation regarding. Putin's power base uh, and the changes, the political changes that we are seeing or potentially seeing in Russia today. I'd also like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. We'd like to hear your thoughts. We can be reached on Twitter, Instagram, and by email. Feel free to become a member of our Facebook page where we post information about upcoming episodes. All the links to these platforms can be found below. Please consider liking and subscribing to the Nova Society and we hope you'll join in the conversation next week so for my co-host dr brooklyn ann weldon i'm dr mark bound thanks for listening have a great week and remember the power of society is knowledge until next time everyone
1: thank you mark